0: What's up, everyone? This is our 40th, 48th forty eighth episode of our World of Lifting podcast. Special guest today, we have Daniel DeLau. He is uh, the US, USPA Junior 198, California state records in all in bench squat and deadlift, right? And in the total? Yeah, and, and overall total, yeah. And overall total. How are you doing today, man? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for joining us.
1: Yeah, really excited to be on here, man. Really happy. Feeling really good. I appreciate
0: this. All right, uh, I think we're gonna start off with um, the most common question I always ask is uh, your story. What is your story of uh, getting into this crazy sport?
1: Right, I mean, everybody wants to know, you know, it's everyone that thinks stories is unique. Um, I started off actually training, you know, I knew I had a general idea that powerlifting existed um, when I was at, like right at a high school and I knew I, I had an idea about wanting to get into it. Um, but at the time I was in college um, and I didn't really have the means to get started. Um, I remember having one pair of knee sleeves, but I never got around to buying a belt. I also trained for a very long time without a belt. And I didn't ever realize like I should have had one longer. But like from the ages of like 18 to 21, I was doing all the main movements without a belt and not even really wrist wraps. I think, I think knee sleeves is all I had. Um, and I was in a, actually there was a, I was at a commercial gym and there was a competitive power lifter at that gym. And he was a really nice guy. I want to say he held a world record or two in the USPA in the 148s. maybe. He held some records, I knew that. He was a really, really strong guy. And I saw him doing his thing and he was lifting some heavy weight. And I was like, I want, to, I want to see, you know. And I remember very distinctly, like training with him without any equipment. And I remember I could keep up with him and he had everything. He had sleeves, wraps, belt, shoes. He had everything. I, didn't, I had little to nothing. And he's like, you know what? rarely can I train with somebody and have them keep up with me. And he's like, you know, you should consider competing. And I said, you know, I'll look into it. And at the time I was like 19 years old and I was going to school and I remember looking up a few competitions and then I remember slowly but surely um, I started buying equipment for my first competition. And then I actually moved from San Francisco and that's when I remember I finally, because living in San Francisco was really, really, especially going to school, there, was really, really expensive. I moved up here, um, and I remember, like, I I lived two hours from Sacramento, so I remember when Super Training opened their store, that's when I was like, I can literally drive down there, sometimes they have sales, drive down there, get equipment, and then have it the same day, which is really convenient, so, and then I remember doing my first competition in was spring of, was 2017, 2017, yeah, spring of 2017.
0: And that first competition was USPA? It was, uh, yeah,
1: it was at a gym called uh, Yuba Sutter Training Zone in Marysville, California. It's kind of like a smaller town that's about 20 to 30 minutes away from Sacramento. Um, And yeah, I was, uh, I had looked up, see, it's, it's, it's really interesting because like I tell people all the time because, you know, social media can be both a good and a bad thing. I was watching all these crazy world record holders up until my first meet. So like I had a... A 500 pound deadlift at my first meet, like maybe like 510, and I had like a like a low a high four low five squat and like a pretty decent bench, like a 350 bench. And I remember thinking, I'm like, if people are as strong as they are on the internet, I'm screwed. Like I'm the <laughs> I was I'm like I'm the strongest person at the gym I train at, and I'm the strongest I was, at the time I was training at a commercial gym up here in Reading. And I was like, I'm the strongest person at the gym I train at, by far. But I'm gonna go get killed because everybody's so good. And then like. I remember going to that meet and I remember winning my age group and winning the. I remember competing at the time I was 21 years old. And I remember winning the open and the junior. And no, and like everyone there had already knew each other because they had all compete. Like a lot of people in the Sacramento, Northern California area, everybody kind of knows each other because um, there's only so many gyms. And so everyone was like, where's this kid from? Where's it? And I was like, I, I don't, I didn't have a training partner. Like I had a, a friend or two that I brought with me, but I didn't really have like a, a powerlifting gym that I trained at. And then finally, um, I did fairly well, uh, qualified for nationals after my first meet at USPA nationals, which is awesome. Uh, and then, yeah, and I remember going like, wow, I really, I remember people looked at me weird because I'd had those same nasty knee sleeves for like three years and I refused to get new ones. And I saw these people with like all these beautiful brand new equipment. And I was like, okay, I gotta stop being cheap. Like I had the cheapest equipment possible and I was like, all right, this has got to hold back.
0: Yeah, it's interesting with the brands because I mean, I know, does USPA have their approved list? I I have no idea. Do they have that? So
1: the USPA has a really awesome way of getting equipment approved. So like the one thing that bothers me about the USAPL is that like Pioneer, the, the oh, company, yeah. Pioneer's posted about the USAPL approval process a few times. And it's what I tell a lot of my lifters that mention one. Like if I like, say, for example, Leo, Leo mentioned wanting to compete in the USAPL. I'm like, okay, you got to realize if you compete in the USAPL, their approved equipment list is that one little half sheet of stuff or like, it's like a single sheet of paper and that's it. Like, you can't wear a different singlet. You have to have one of those belts. You can't have nothing different in the wrist wraps. Like, they're very particular and, like, they're really strict on what you can have, like, you know, uh, as far as shirts and, like, the singlet. Um, obviously, nobody cares about the shoes. But, um, yeah, it's what I tell you. the USPA. They have, I want to say, it's dozens and dozens and dozens because their process like pages on pages. Them. Yeah, because for them, it's like they don't really care about, like, with, I feel like with the USAPL unfortunately to get approved they asked for so much money that oh. you know that the USPA only I think it's only like a couple hundred dollars to get your equipment approved by the USPA but you have to send it in they have to inspect it but as soon as that happens to my knowledge it's approved wow so it's very affordable like my friend Rob shout out to Rob Lewis my friend Rob uh he actually just started his own like uh lifting company uh overload alpha and Rob uh I know already right now he's in the process of getting it finished up. He was trying to get it finished up so I could wear his brand at North Americans. So it could be approved before I I show up. Um, We'll see if that happens or not. If not, I have my old equipment. Um, But with the USPA, it's very easy to like start making your own equipment and then get it approved with the USAPL. It's this giant process of paying a lot of money and like approval throughout the circles. They have to pay money uh, to USAPL to get their stuff approved. Yeah. it's, It's like 20 grand. What? Yeah, it's like it's like twenty. It's I'm I'm not. I wish I was exaggerating, but it's a, it's a it's thousands and thousands of dollars. And like every year that like SPD Titan Enzer, have you have to pay that every single year, like to get it re-upped. Whoa, yeah. So,
0: so I guess that's a business move. I don't know. That's probably yeah, but
1: like- well, that's like I mean I don't know how long you've been following parallels, but like when Mark like Mark Bell like either I think it was a couple years ago, he had this huge. So. As far as I know with the USAPL approval process, like you you pay a, a flat lump sum and then every item you want approved in your within your company, there's a per item cost. Okay. So, so the twenty like, K is
0: for the for your brand. And then Yeah, everything like- on time
1: is like five hundred dollars an item after that. So if you like if you're a giant company that makes a lot of equipment like Anzer or Titan, you know, they make sleeves, belts, singlets, wraps, suits. Um, It's per, so I know Mark Bell, when Slingshot got approved for the IPF, I remember, um, it was a really big deal because for the longest time, Slingshot kept making more and more really great equipment and it wasn't approved by the appeal. So Mark Bell dropped like a fat amount of cash and said, okay, almost everything on our site is IPF approved now. But he had to drop a huge, cause it was like the base, whatever it is. And then it's like, you know, every single item that you want to approve for your company after that costs more and more money per item. Wow. Yeah, so it, crazy. it's, yeah, and like for the big, what I call like the big four, so Enzer, Titan, SPD, um, and now Slingshot. For them, it's easy because they're these huge companies. Yeah, you know? They probably have,
0: they probably have yeah, bad money.
1: Enzer, Titan, SPD, and Slingshot are not, you know, they're they're making money because the sport's growing. So, and naturally, you know, you see the waiting the wait times. When I first started, you could get an Enzer belt and 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 uh, you could get one of the ones that's got a color on it. You can get it in like four weeks. I've heard now that they, t- they can take up to five to six months, you know?
0: Oh, the, um, the wait list? Jeez.
1: <laughs> well, no, yeah. It's like Inzer is interesting because like if you go to the Inzer website, it's like, uh, I don't want to say it's out of date, but it's definitely a little older. And like the wait times, as I've known, Inzer makes great belts as, as does Pioneer. The wait times for Inzer belts gets longer and longer. I know if it's faster and cheaper if you get a black stock one because they have like a tons of those made apparently
0: it's funny you bring up the pioneer i think pioneer had this issue with pioneer came out with their um adjustable lever or something yeah it just came out i saw that and then they're they talking about getting it approved and then yeah. apparently like they they didn't do it because like um they were like i'm sorry be, um we we can't do that because something with what you were talking about maybe they it was like set like you can't do anything to that list until i don't know or maybe it was the money issue. I I have no idea, but I was like, Most of
1: the time when you see gear being approved or not approved, it was, it's, it's got to do with money. Like rarely have I seen where it's like, or it's like conflict of interest with like, say like a federation gets upset at a brand, like kind of what just happened to metal, like four months ago. Metal? Yeah. So metal, the powerlifting brand, they make like suits. Oh, metal. Yeah, Yeah. 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 So that whole thing with their president, And like that, that's really, really racist thing that he posted. And so like, you know, it's kind of one thing I tell people, it's like, you know, there's politics that goes on behind doors, but it's also one of those things where, you know, I always tell people I appreciate when federations, companies, uh, you know, they give back to lifters. I think that's really great. So I always, I pay attention to those kind of things. And that's kind of where, like where I've landed, where I'm at, as far as competing. It's, you know, how am I treated? Um, How do I, you know, do, do i feel like they care about me being here because unfortunately what i've seen with like you know what i didn't like about the way they ran USAPL nationals is that you know they're going to accept as many people as possible that are qualifying but at that point it's this giant cluster at the at the nationals it's a great meet to do and it's an it's an honest it's a really hard meet to qualify for so it's it's a great thing if you get to go but it's one of those things where it's like okay let's see how many lifters we can squeeze into this meeting and get the cash out of it. And there was a recent scandal with a few USAPL meets. I want to say collegiate nationals, they had people signed up and then COVID hit and they're saying because of COVID, they weren't going to give refunds. There was some drama with that. And it's like, I pay attention to those kind of things. I'm like, I don't want to go somewhere where like, I don't trust the person that's running my meet. You know what I mean?
0: Uh, USAPL had, the, had their, um, their issue with uh, qualifying totals. I know they, they upped it. They increased it a lot so obviously you know the people that are qualifying are going down so i think they're trying to like move away from like making it a whole like i think was like 2,000 lifters were qualifying right
1: yeah it was, so, it was crazy it was like okay wow but and like the uspa has that problem right now so i think where you're seeing like a lot of lifters go that may not necessarily be competitive like yeah. i have a feeling yeah. i have a feeling we're gonna go down that route Like we have meets with qualifying, with required qualifying totals. Like a couple of years ago, the LA Fit Expo was elite totals only, which depending on your weight class, you know, an elite total can range from anywhere from a 460 Wilkes to like a 480, depending on your weight class.
0: Yeah. And that definitely thins out the competition. Like at most, maybe like not even, not even a hundred people. Yeah. I mean,
1: it just depends. Um, It really depends on, where you like, first of all, I think where you live, where you live matters a lot. Um, Where you live definitely matters as far as like the talent, obviously California, New York, the coasts, there's a lot of talent there, but I've also realized there's a lot of talent everywhere. Like no matter where you go, there's gonna be strong people. Um, But I definitely think if you've got bigger cities um, an attractive city will bring more lifters without question unless it's like nationals then nationals will people will go wherever nationals is they've had at uh, usap nationals in like plano texas like back in 2016 and everybody went and, and like i guess that city's not
0: meant to have that many people there <laughs> yeah i know they 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 switch it around a lot i mean they're yeah, like the I, they're like the one only federation that has a legit crazy process of making it to worlds that's yeah a- and like
1: And I think, and to tell you the truth, I think every, I think if, if federations are going to have, are going to have like worlds and nationals and all this stuff, I think it should be that way. Like if the USPA decided that, you know, unless you like the way the USPA does it is kind of weird. So like the the way the USPA does it is like you, you can, you have to have a qualifying total for nationals. And then the USPA sends a team to worlds every year. And then, you have to have, I think, top – they don't do it based off of – they, like, don't do it like how the USAPL does it, where, like, they select the lifter per weight class. They do it, like, based on Wilks, which is just different. It's not wrong, but it's just different. Like, they, they, they see which lifters, whether it's tested or untested that year, had top 10% Wilks for that competitive year. And for that competitive – to the end that competitive uh, area, that who goes to World's. Okay,
0: but, but like they that. take the
1: top. They take the top Wilks from like nationals, North Americans, and like another another they, from a, from I think those two big meets. They take like top ten Wilks, and then they send a team based on
0: top ten Wilks. Yeah, I mean so, that, so that, I that makes it better.
1: Yeah, so if you have yeah, it does too because then the way I look at it is, say you have a weight class where like you know say for example like our weight, like my weight class like the one ninety eight. It's like this past year at nationals. Like, Lenny Wicks is probably the best 198 we've ever had or seen. Like, oh. I want to say, his folks, Lenny Wicks, he's the world record holder in the squat and deadlift in the 198s tested. Um, so Lenny has, like, a 720 squat and a 720 dead at 198. He has something crazy. Yeah, he's, he's a monster. And, like, in the uh, – and he's also a bodybuilder, which is crazy, too. Like, he's jacked and ripped, like, eight-pack ripped. Um, and then – uh, who, who, uh, the guy who got second to him he's a really good friend of mine his name's uh, Ronald Tarvin and Ronald has like I want to say a 680 squat like a 460 bench and like a six dead. like he's really strong too and
0: this is I, all USPA?
1: yeah these are all USPA tested oh, okay. this is like if you go to open powerlifting and look at like mm-hmm. the drug tested USPA Nationals that were in Columbus you can see all these lifters in their, in their classes and like I want to say like so if you take like those two and then say for like, because it's say if you're looking at the way the USPA selects the world's team, like if you take, I think I want to say like my weight class had like out of the top 10 Wilkes, my weight class had at least three of them. So, like, so you, what you'll see happening is I've heard this happen before where uh, like if we send a team to world's, you'll have two or three lifters in a stacked weight class because they had the highest Wilkes. Wow. If we're trying and it's, and it's, a, and it's a, it's a weird way to do it. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm not agreeing or disagreeing with anybody, but it's one of those things where it's like, how do we, you know, if say we send that, but we don't send a 165er, you know, because say that year, the 165er just happened to suck or they don't have good Wilkes that year. You know, it's a very different way of, of sending, but then I'll tell people for best team award for overall Wilkes, it puts us in a better, comp, better position to win. Cause if we have a bunch, if we send a bunch of high Wilkes lifters, Technically speaking, that's in that puts you in a better position to win.
0: Is there a limit? Is How it, many lifters
1: you can send? Yeah, I know you can you can technically
0: compete ten, like you can compete ten or eleven or whatever. Okay, so what so what was the issue with the one? Like if if there was like really bad one sixty five lifters, they you you can't just pick whoever was you know the best during that time period of time.
1: I want to say they they have and they will like out of like good sportsmanship. Oh, okay. But the way like I read when they announced the World's team last year was that it was like there was like three 198-ers last year. And it, was, it wasn't the people I just mentioned. Like there was one or two, the, both the 198-ers, because last year at Tested Nationals, I finished first in the juniors in 198s, and I got third in the Open. And both the guys that beat me in the Open were on the World's team. Now, only one of them went, Peter, the one who won the Open division, he went. But uh, yeah, so we, there was two 198s going to the world technically they, they they were trying to send two 198s um and so i think it's also different too because they can you can send a certain amount of people and then only have a certain amount scored for like the team win oh,
0: oh that's weird so why would you even it's, send them then
1: yeah it's you know they, they they try to do it to include as many people as possible to put us in the best competitive position i want to say you know maybe i hope that they change it down the line to like say in the '80s and '90s, I have a friend who used to compete in the USPF back in the late '80s, and the way they did it was, you know, it was it was like how the USPL USAPL does it now, like you win Just the national top lifter. Yeah, you win the nationals, you go to worlds. You know what I mean? And I think that's how it should be. Personally, I like that better. But then that's what I tell people that also makes it a lot harder to go to
0: worlds. Well, I guess that's the point. You know, it's worlds.
1: Yeah, know? no, exactly. Like
0: if you're sending if you're sending
1: lifters to worlds. You know, it should be the best. But then you see it in the USAPL too, where like a guy will win nationals and he won't go to Worlds because for one reason or another. So did they just send like whoever took silver? (laughs) Yeah, they'll say no. Like I've seen it. I want to say, what was it? I want to say like four years ago, L.S. McClain got fourth at nationals or third. And then the guy that won that year, I want to say it might've been Lane Norton. He didn't go. He didn't go. And then the second place guy didn't go. So they ended up selling, they ended up sending Ellis McLean and then he won. He won worlds. Yeah. He won worlds after being like, third. you can, you can, yeah. I remember listening to the King of the lifts podcast and it was like really cool because it was like, he was like, yeah, I didn't think I was going. And then like, obviously, you know, you went fourth, or third, you're not going to worlds. And then because, and that's the way it is really. If, if the guys above you can't go or somebody gets injured or something, um, that should be how it is. But I said, yeah, but you know, you never really know what's going to happen is what I tell people like going into training, you know, like I, there was a few meets I went into where I expected to have some pretty decent competition and that person got hurt. And I'm like, well, this kind of changes everything. If you go into a meet period and go against somebody who's potentially as strong as you or even a little stronger and you're going to have to push the envelope, you know, but then they pull out of the meet for one reason or another,
0: they get hurt. That changes everything. Damn. That kind of proves how, how good the U S is at powerlifting then
1: yeah no division. we are we are i think i nah, i think we're close with the
0: russians we're close yeah we're up there i mean if, the, if we I, stand, I think, like the third ranked lifter and they still take first at worlds that's yeah. crazy i
1: think i think when it comes to i think when it comes to uh men's tested in the usapl i think sorry just men men's usapl i think we're the best in my opinion um across the board now that doesn't mean like there aren't monsters around the world because I've seen like Sweden has a great team. I feel like there's always a, there's there's like every time I look on like King of the Lifts or like on one of the Instagram pages, there's always some like 19 year old from Sweden that's like insanely strong. Yeah, Europe is insane. They got all kinds of
0: yeah, and then you see all there. those
1: girls coming from like Italy and France. What's that one girl from from Italy? She might be French actually. She has like a 400 something pull at like 130. Yeah, it, it's, something, it's something crazy. Like, that's why I tell people, like, the sport's growing, so you're going to see people pop out of everywhere and left and right. Like, the, the, I think you're going to see in, like, because you're going to be seeing more and more people that would have otherwise been doing other things or playing other sports that weren't exposed to powerlifting, say, 20 years ago, but now they can and they see it. Um, and especially with powerlifting, obviously, switching to a to a raw, raw era. I call it now the raw era. Um, I think you're going to be seeing a lot more people join powerlifting it's it's growing obviously with more and more meets meets getting bigger you know federations popping up left to right i think it's going to continue to grow
0: yeah raw i mean i know raw people like it better they, they respect it more because uh, it's more relatable you know yeah i know powerlifting when it first started it was all multiply you know west side barbell type stuff right with their you know conjugate method with their one million bands on the barbell and stuff right 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 but yeah now i mean i don't i don't know what happened to that era um, well, multiply is not frowned upon. Right, it's not. It's not just the fact that it's.
1: I don't think it's. It's a lot of people try to diss it for one reason or another. Yeah, and I can tell you, I've trained with a number of multiply lifters. I mean, one of my coaches and the owner of North State Barbell, the shirt that I have on, he's a former Westside guy. He trained at Westside as a thrower, and he competed in multiply for a number. And it's, it's just a different sport, you know, multiply Good. lifting is a very, it's more unique. And it's what I tell people it's less pedestrian friendly than raw powerlifting.
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, trying to get into a suit, you know, I mean, the, yeah, the well, thing and also, you also have to realize like, like you
1: see powerlifting, is what I tell people right now. Like I started powerlifting in college and that's really common nowadays. You see power mm-hmm. powerlifting is really popular at any college, you know, it's like intramural sports. You know, a lot, most colleges in this area that I live in have a powerlifting team, you know, and it's, it's a super, and like raw powerlifting is, is like extremely affordable. Even if you don't want to spend huge bucks on like, you know, if you don't want to drop $500 in equipment, that's fine. You can drop 150 and get a decent, decent setup of gear. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so I think open like, reg- like raw powerlifting is extremely, uh, novice friendly, it's extremely pedestrian friendly and you're seeing people cross over from other sports to do powerlifting.
0: Yeah. I mean, they, what I know a lot of, a, a lot of people that I, that I've interviewed here, they, they tell, you know, they're, they're from football backgrounds. They're from, um, I know one, one person was track, but yeah, it, it's, you know, when, once powerlifting becomes a thing where it's, where you start at, that's when, you know, the sport's going to get crazier. You know, I've the guy that I work with on this
1: podcast. School, I played. I played a number of sports in high school. Most sports in high school, you lift weights.
0: Yeah.
1: As a, as a, as a, as a, as a football player, and I did. a wrestler and I did track. Like every sport in high school will have you lift weights at one point. And if you, what I tell people, most guys you see that are the strongest guys on their team, and whatever team sport they're playing in high school, if you have a obviously a gift when it comes to lifting weights, powerlifting will show an interest in
0: you. You know. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing. The standard keeps getting higher. Yeah. And and I like it. I'm all for it. Like, I understand that,
1: you know, you know, it's going to force a lot of people to be more and more competitive and you're going to see more and more genetic freaks like Leo, who I found at a commercial gym. Oh God. Yeah. You know, like, and I tell people like, it'll, I want to see, I want to see genetic freaks. I want to see, you know, and like, you know, and that doesn't take away from, you know, what I call the average people, the people that may not necessarily be, you know, squatting 800, 700 pounds down the line. It may be the guy that's squatting 315, but powerlifting gets them off the couch and help them lose weight. You know, I always try to give credit to everybody. Like pay, like powerlifting is for everybody. And I, I can thoroughly say that everybody can benefit from powerlifting. Um, uh, but it's one of those things where I think it's a very inclusive sport. It's probably the most inclusive thing I've ever been a part of.
0: Yeah, when t- it's, it's important that you don't compare yourself. You know, if you, when you talk about, you know, the average population that doesn't want to, you know, put 800 pounds on their back or even achieve it in their lifetime, you know, uh, yeah, that's when we go back to social media, you know. If you look at Larry Wheels, it's like, what the hell?
1: Yeah, you know, and like a lot of guys, I've, I've met a lot of young kids, you know, 17 or 18, that, you know, they want to be like Larry. And I tell people, well, okay, how do you, do you want what Larry has? Or do you, do you actually want to be that like Larry? Because I can tell you right now, being strong at all in anything is painful oh yeah getting strong is is really painful not just physically but also mentally emotionally it's it's a huge burden to carry getting that strong committing yourself to doing something and you know and and i i don't ever try to like sugarcoat that to people like getting stronger is is relatively miserable
0: yeah, especially if you want to take it to the extreme, like obviously like, yeah. You know, yeah. Like,
1: yeah. If you plan on competing, like your life's going to be boring and your body's always going to hurt and you're always going to be hungry. If you have to, if you have to make a weight class, like I do, you can't eat what your friends are eating. You know, you can't go out if your friends are going out. If you have a competition coming up, if I got a big squat day in the morning, I'm not going out. You know, that's just the reality of it. And I've talked to enough high level lifters that it's, it, they, they kind of, they get it, you know, they, they're, they, it's all what they're about. And, you know, why would I go out tonight? Why would I eat this if I know I have a really important bench press workout tomorrow? You know what I mean? I'm going to try to be in bed by 10 because I got to be at the gym by nine o'clock tomorrow. So I got to get up at seven, eat my breakfast, drink my water, you know, make sure my mobility gets done. It's all about, at least for me, what I tell people, it's it's a commitment that, that can, it's not as around the clock as bodybuilding can be, but it's, it still takes a pretty heavy commitment if you plan on competing. Like it's not easy at all.
0: I think that kind of discipline is good for some people, especially people no, who is. haven't it, done
1: it it. It, it. it totally is. I think it, it can, if, you, if you're if you one of those people that struggles with discipline, like as far as self-discipline, like whether it's eating or responsibilities or or anything in your life, I think it can really help you. Like what I tell people said, a linear path in life, because in, in powerlifting, you're going for linear goals. You know, I don't want to like say that like, oh, like, you know, linear programming, but like in powerlifting, say, you know, the first time you max out, you squat 315 and you want to squat 350. Like you need to be doing everything in your power in my opinion if you want to squat fifty to get to that point whether that's eating enough food training what you're supposed to be doing sticking to your program sleeping enough you know managing you know the things in your life so you can be ready to squat 350 and that's what i tell people it's never about like big things it's about stacking up little things daily disciplines you know because i i that thing that people always talk about motivation doesn't exist i don't think it exists
0: oh yeah it- once you get to that level and, you know, workouts get monotonous, they get repetitive, you know, but you got to keep doing it, you know, yeah, and, and,
1: and you show up to the gym and like your knee hurts, your hip hurts, your back hurts, your bicep hurts, you have a headache, you know, you, the, the bar feels way too heavy, you know, your belt doesn't feel right, you know, the knee sleeves stink. like there's a million reasons why you shouldn't be there, your girlfriend's complaining to you, you know, you, you got to go home, If you're cool, you you got to go home and do homework or you got responsibilities or, you know, you got to get up for work in the morning. Like say, I, sometimes I train pretty late at night and I know I got to get up the next morning at six o'clock the next day. So I know as soon as I'm done training, the first thing I'm going to do is go home, drink a protein shake and go to bed. Like it's a lot of, you know, it's a lot of reasons. It's like, as you get stronger and stronger, I tell people like, the responsibilities of life will not go away. Um, and the life stresses will not get away, especially if you're peaking for a meet and your fatigue is high. If anything, I tell people to me, I feel like the stress yeah. is amplified.
0: Yeah. You know, the the progress in powerlifting is linear, but you know, the path to get there is not always a straight line. You know, sometimes you got to maneuver around a lot of, yeah. Like, like, you know, you
1: got injuries, you got certain things that come up, you know, or sometimes sometimes with certain people with like work schedule or life schedule, their training isn't always planned or exact. They kind of get in the gym when or where they can. I know a lot of, you know, competitive powerlifters at a high level with kids and life and responsibilities. And so I tell people if they can do it, so can you, it's just, it's not going to be
0: fun. Yeah, it's just time management. I, I hate when people make excuses that are just, just pointless. You know, right? you just, you know, you, you could spend, you know, if you sp- if you if you drink like, like every every night, you know, you're spending like fifty dollars on drinks. Right, 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 right. You know, it adds up. You know, use that money on a gym membership. You know, maybe buy get a coach. Yeah,
1: or it's what I tell people. Like, um, I had a I had a friend recently who. You know, just, he was talking to me about, I told him, I'm like, he's like, oh, my elbows are hurting. You know, he, he's a, he's a bodybuilder. I'm like, well, you should get elbow sleeves, you know? And he's like, I don't, I can't afford that. And I'm like, I know he has like a $40,000 car with like, oh 30, damn, 20 grand invested in the car. And I'm like, well, and, he, and he's been lifting, he, he competes. And it's, it's one of those things where I was just like, okay, you know, your priorities are obviously your car. I'm not at all bringing down your car or what you decide to do with your money. You're an adult. Like, I'm not going to, I don't tell people what to do with their money, but it's like your elbow hurts. And I'm telling you, you should get a a cuff or a sleep or something. And you tell me you can't afford it, but I know you'll drop, like, you know, without a doubt, you'll drop $2,000 on car parts. It's like, you know, where do priorities lie?
0: Yeah. I mean, I don't really agree with that kind of mentality. I I use, when I, when something hurts for me, I try to like find the source of it you know i right, don't yeah. really, i don't Ad- like to like the issues i like to say let's address the issue and see what we can do to figure it out yeah like i know when when people have you know knee tendonitis they say, i'll just put a sleeve on it You're like no you know maybe it's something in your movement pattern for right, squat right, you, know? Right. you know you can't just put it that's like you know like the, the 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 dam burst like a hole in the dam and you just you just right. put tape on it you know eventually that water is gonna burst through again you know you
1: Well, that's like also kind of what I try to tell people, like, sorry, my text things.
0: (laughs) I'm
1: so sorry. Um, That's also kind of like what I try to tell people is regarding, um, regarding any sort of injury, you should always try to look at, you know, what could get better. And, you know, you see that a lot nowadays with lifters, like they'll, They'll say something's like screaming in pain, and it's getting worse and worse. And it's like, have you done anything to address it? Like, are you, are you doing your mobility? Do you have mobility? Do you even do mobility? Uh, Are you, uh, if it's something that can be solved with maybe not doing an exercise or backing off? Because no one wants to back off. No one wants to admit they have to back off. That's the problem. Like, I is there a stimuli is there certain is there a certain series of things you do to aggravate this it's like okay every time I do you know high volume squats you know my hip hurts I'm like okay well let's back off the volume and maybe see if we can use another bar if the bar's available or let's try to adjust the volume let's try to maybe change the day of the week you squat maybe not at the end of the week maybe at the beginning of the week you know and everybody's really quick to Nobody wants to admit that they want to back off, but I, but what I've learned recently in powerlifting with making steps and getting farther and farther is that you actually have to learn how to back off if you want to progress.
0: Yeah. You know, you you take one step back, you know, that could be the thing to take, you know, five steps forward, you know? Yeah. That's why, you know, I, I say, it's not always linear. Like if someone asked me in the gym, you know, how do you get strong? I'm like, Make it a lifestyle, you know, lift lift for years, you know, yeah. overload and all and that. Also,
1: I also tell people all the time, it's actually kind of boring if you want to look at the, like, the, the short-term goals of everything. It's actually like, like prep is, it's, like you said, it's monotonous. It, it doesn't necessarily have the greatest appeal. Um, you can post your list as much as you want, but it, I mean, it's everyone – up up to world champions, down to like the beginning lifter, everybody's going to reach a point in their lifting when they're like, dude, this sucks. I don't want to be here. My body hurts. I have a headache, you know, I didn't drink enough water. I missed my, I missed my meal. Like, you know, everyone's going to have excuses, but I think it's important to always like, you know, be willing to understand that I always remind myself of my bigger goals. You know, I always like reminding myself as to why I'm doing what I'm doing. And then, you know, constant self-reaffirmation. And I tell people it can build confidence and that's kind of how you survive.
0: Yeah. I mean, people are very quick to quit these days and it's, yeah. it's very, very yeah. unhealthy. You know,
1: I've seen that a lot. I saw that a lot to be honest with a lot of kids that were gifted. I've seen a lot of kids that don't necessarily have, I've seen a lot of kids with really great genetics start off in the sport, really, really strong. And they kind of push the envelope of what they're capable of really, really hard with any sort of self-awareness as far as when they should and shouldn't step on the gas and they're out in a couple of years
0: as in like retired, like they just don't do it again. They'd like,
1: well, I mean like one of them, one, a few, a few kids, for example, one of the kids, he, he pulled, he was a lot like Leo. He pulled like, hell let's get pulled six fifty at like 18 or 19 at 198. He was a freak. Um, and he had like a five squat too. He had like a 500 pound squat. And, uh, he was freaky strong kid, really nice, but he competed at one point, like three or four times a year. I remember he was competing a lot and yeah. And he, I remember he did one meet that he did. He finally did one meet deadlift only. And I, no one's heard from this is like three years ago at this point. No one's heard from him. No one. I, I knew a really close friend of his who's my buddy now. And I asked him the other day, I'm like, where is he? And he's like, he's, going to school i don't know you might be playing video games you know smoking weed but he just lost motivation to do it and i tell people all the time the lifters i've seen that stick around the longest are always the ones that have had to work for it and aren't necessarily the most gifted i don't consider myself gifted at all um i have to work i just tell people i have to work 10 times harder to do everything that i do but i've also noticed that i've stuck
0: around a, l- a lot longer than most people yeah i mean that, that's probably like a mindset thing the way you think i don't know like it sucks when you see that. Like, I don't know what, maybe it's something that happened in his life or.
1: Yeah. I mean, it could be like, I've heard, like, there was a, there was a couple lifters. Like there was a lifter back in the day that I really, I used to watch on YouTube and stuff all the time. Uh, his name was Chris Dickerson. Or sorry, not Chris Dickerson. That's a bodybuilder. Chris, Chris Hickson. Chris Hickson. You remember him? Chris Hickson. I yeah. don't.
0: We're... Yeah.
1: So Chris Hickson he used to train in the Midwest with Pete Rubish and like, I always tell people back in the day, Chris Hickson was one of the most impressive deadlifters ever to compete. Like, he was so explosive. I want to say he pulled 700 at like 220 or 242, like, I think somewhere in that range. He pulled 700 with like no belt hook grip. And it was the, like, it looked like a speed rep. Like, it was the fastest thing I'd ever seen. Yeah. Yeah. Did Chris. Just pull off? No, he actually went to jail. So, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, he went to jail because, like, apparently, in like, he recently did a podcast with, with Pete Rubish and he was talking about, yeah. So he was like selling steroids out of his house. and Oh, damn. Yeah. And then like, so like he got like popped by the ATF and the DEA and he did a number of years in prison and he just got out. Like I want to say like in the middle of quarantine, he got out. And there is a few lifters I know that not only, I mean, I'm just talking about this now, you know, off the top of my head, but like.
0: He talked uh, about this on Pete Rubish's podcast.
1: He might've. Yeah. It w- I think it was, it's like, yeah, it, he, he, he like had just gotten out of jail and he was talking to Rubish and like they, I remember looking up some of his little training videos. Cause he was with like the Lily Bridges and stuff too. And he was like, I said, he pulled this, I remember seeing this one video that, that I keep remembering back to it was like 700 and his best pull at the time he said it his best, but his best pull was like eight, but he pulled 700, no belt with like sweatpants on and like hook grip double. Like it was crazy. He was so explosive. He was built like a basketball player. Um, but, or like, for example, uh, George Lehman, do you remember him? Oh yeah. Yeah. I definitely yeah. remember him. I, I had a friend who, whose uncle trained like, or near Chris Lehman and the, I still, I think I follow him on Instagram still. And it was just like a weird story with him. Like he had, he had those great deadlifts back in the day. Remember? Yeah. He had yeah. Like that seven or 800 for like sets of six. He did this crazy set of deadlifts. And then he like. I remember he was one of the first lifters I really looked up to, but then there was all that drama with like, I guess he was facing charges. So he fled the country. And I think that's been the story ever since. I don't know. And then. I had no idea about that. <laughs> yeah. you see, you, you, you hear, see that that's what I told you. Like a lot of powerlifting, like but the powerlifters that are really big right now, I started to the sport about five or six years ago. A lot of the lifters that I used to follow, like they're either done competing or, um, particularly ones that push it to the limit
0: or they fall off the face of the earth and no one knows what's going on with them, you know? Yeah, definitely George Lehman. George Lehman, what stuck out to me was the way he set up for a deadlift. It was very, it was very unorthodox, very strange. Yeah. Um, I know he had some... Was it his... his One of his, his siblings, his little brother, passed away? I forgot what what happened. But like, he, he used to cry before he, he did his max deadlifts. Yeah, it,
1: it was some, like... Cra- I remember seeing his videos on youtube and all this guys fucking nuts like this guy's got this i'm like okay maybe like when i first started training i tried to hide the fact that i that i was like you know i'm kind of crazy when i saw lehman for the first time i was like okay i'm fine i can (laughs) like, like, like like talking to me in person i'll tell you the first thing i'm very laid back naturally as a person um I also am very self-aware of my temper, so that's like any time I see myself going into a situation where I could possibly be losing my temper, I try my best to stay controlled and calm. Um, but when it comes to any of my videos, like I just, I mean, I'm in a different place. Like it's a completely different person.
0: Well, you need that, you know. You know, everyone has their own thing of
1: yeah and i i can thoroughly say that everybody's different because i know i've tried when i first started everybody's like gotta stay calm you gotta stay calm i'm like all right and i tried staying calm but the thing is i'm already calm most of the time so like i it's hard for me to like get to that level when i'm just calm you know what i mean Mm. like i go into a particular zone when i'm gonna lift and like i tell people i save a lot of the stuff for that and then the rest of the time i'm as you see me right now like I'll, like if i have nothing to say i won't talk it's not something i i do enjoy talking about lifting that's for sure I, but i would definitely say that i'm a little socially awkward it's one of those things where i actually appreciate other socially awkward people because they get it
0: yeah i mean for like like you said you know it's everybody's different you know for me i'm not very loud at all you know yeah i, mean, I, I, I do my max totally deadlifts it. i just put it down i'm like hey I did it, you know, time to yeah, move on.
1: Yeah. Some people actually, it, some people, it throws them off if they get really hyped up. But unfortunately for me, I've, I tried the calm thing initially and it actually, I couldn't get to like a, to like a performance level. Like I was so calm that I was like chill, you know what I mean? And and it, and, it, and I And especially if it was like a big PR, I wasn't hyped up for it. I would, by the time I would be getting upset after the lift, if I failed it, or I'd be like really excited after I got it. But the calm thing, it, it didn't work that well. I've had better luck, you know, slamming my head against the wall and like yelling and screaming, all the the theatrics and antics that you see in the videos, like all that is, and like when I get to that point, that's when I feel ready and the lift moves, I've had great success doing that. So it's like, okay, because I'm already, like I said, a naturally calmer, like laid back person. So it's like, maybe that's kind of what it needs.
0: Yeah. I mean, usually when I get to that kind of state, um, I start to overthink a little bit. You know, if I stay calm, I Yeah, some people do. And yeah, yeah. like if I just don't think I just empty my mind, just, just get get to business, just do it, you know? Right. Yeah. And it's also kind of what I tell people,
1: like, you know, I, sometimes I, people will tell me that I have no filter and I, and I totally get that, but I tell people for every three messed up things I think about in my head, I say usually like one of them. So, when I'm lifting and like I'm getting into this heightened state of awareness, I'm letting it all fly out of me. And some of my friends and training partners have told me, like, it, it's pretty horrible. Like, it's like, like provide an example of what you say. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's almost like, oh, man, it's just so awful. Like, and it's like, I don't even think about these things preemptively. Like, they just kind of fly out of my mouth. Um, <laughs> like, it's, it's at the end of most of the lifting, like after the lift's done, and it's, especially if the lift went well. Like there was one bench video that I had recently where like, I remember it moving so well. It was a, it was a triple. I want to say it like 350. Um, not a PR, but it's one of those lifts where, in sequence to a PR. I know if that feels good, the, the PR yeah. attempts to feel good. And uh, I remember like, it felt great. You know, everything felt fine. I racked it and I looked at the camera and I was like, I was really hyped up and I looked at the camera and I was like, I'll be your stepdad in a week. And it says I'm stupid like that um yeah. <laughs> damn yeah or like when I squatted 600 pounds like I like I've watched that video of Kurt Karwaski squat a thousand for two I've watched that video probably a couple hundred times like I watched the video all the time to get myself excited for lifting um and I remember when I squatted 600 I had to take two attempts at it because the first time I did it the bar slipped on my back Oh. And I remember wow. it was moving and like it was the perfect it was one of the best squats I've ever done the the, the, the downward movement into the hole felt great. It felt great on my back. I didn't have any forward collapse. Um, it, I, my brace felt good. My hips felt good. My knees felt good. And on the way up, uh, I hadn't chalked as much as I should have. I should have chalked my back more, but on the way up, it just, I felt it roll and I got really upset. And then I just took it a second time, um, and got it. And I cut it a little high, but that's because I told everybody I was like, I just took 600 pounds twice. So I'm not going to try to push it, you know, I know I could sink it again if I had to, um, and I will when I take it on the platform, but it's one of those things where it's like, I'm taking that twice, I was done that day, like I was done.
0: Oh yeah, I mean, especially if it's over a hundred percent.
1: Yeah, like, yeah, but like I said, it's one of those things where, you know, it. and I remember yelling, like, I want to hold it. And I remember like cussing and screaming. I, I, I distinctly like to tell people like, you know, uh, I do better I'm like if I get more out of control with competition unfortunately and I remember distinctly uh, before that squat before the second time I took it I remember watching the scene in uh the new Joker movie where he kills all the frat boys on the uh on the uh subway and I remember my coach grabbing me by the shirt and he's like what is wrong with you (laughs) Laughing. I remember laughing like the Joker I'm like okay I'm ready let's go like I'm excited you know what I mean Oh, you were
0: laughing like the Joker. Yeah, yeah, it was.
1: And it's like I tell people, like I'm crazy. I don't, I don't hide it. I don't try to like, I'm like, if I if I know it's a situation where I have like, I have a job where I have to stay professional a lot. Like, if I have to stay extremely professional for my job, I will. I just won't talk because it's like my natural like, my brain fires off so fast with like a lot of the rhetoric, and it's like it only gets worse when I get really excited for a lift. Obviously, Um, and like I said, it's just one of those things where I I tell myself I I talk a lot of trash. All the time, like it's just constantly going to other lifters or other lifter. I have I I I'm known for talking trash to other lifters. I've also had people in the crowd tell me that I shouldn't do it, and the first thing I ask them like, it's not against the rules. The trash talk, yeah, of course not. No, it's not. It's not. I'm not technically if you don't break like the what they call like the um the code of conduct or code of ethics on the platform in the USPA, which involves like cussing, derogatory comments like the, you know the standard stuff but you would expect like you know nothing that vulgar but it's like i'll say stuff you know what i mean
0: um okay. just call out one lifter hey i'm coming for your total but yeah
1: that's what stuff. i did that's what i did that's what i did at my last meet i knew because he's such a calm guy that i knew of, like and he's like he's so peter newyan like peter is such a good lifter he's like he's gone i think nine for nine like three meets in a row or some crazy thing like that like he's a Whoa. great lifter yeah he's a great lifter he's I tell people he's the smartest lifter I've ever been around. He's a great competitor. Uh, he's a fantastic human being. And I knew I was going to have to rattle him. Like I was going to have to rattle him to get to him because I was like, okay, I can't do the calm thing against him because he's calm and quiet and respectful all the time. You know what I mean? Like the, the night before that meet, we went to dinner and he's the nicest guy. Like I can't, I have to, I have to mess with him somehow. Like there's no
0: other way. <laughs> That's like Connor and uh, Habib.
1: Yeah, no. And it's like, I know what I told people is like, okay, I'm not, I always tell people I'm always in the mindset that I'm not the most genetically gifted person and I'm not the strongest guy in the room most of the time, but I will hundred percent guarantee I might be the craziest.
0: That's not the worst thing, you know?
1: No, it's not at all. Because I know I've done things in lifting that I shouldn't have been able to do just because I'm like, I'm like, okay, I'm going to die. or I'm going to get this. Let's roll the dice. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. I don't know if you watch anime, but it's like, you know, super Saiyan. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it is. Or like I watch my hero. Or it's like my hero oh, when his okay. is like hanging and bruised
0: and black and he's like, okay, I can still do this. I'm like, I'm still going to go. You know what I mean? Wow. But anyway, uh, we, we have your um, numbers here. I mean, uh, so what are your current numbers and what are you striving for? Um,
1: well, well, we'll talk comp numbers. Uh, current best comp squad is 572. I believe current best uh, comp bench is 397 and current best comp deadlift is 628. And uh, what would you like those numbers to become? I want to be honest. I want to have a good squat day on the platform. I want to say even on a even on a like a weekday, but a good day. I have five eighty. I've just had bad squat performances on the platform most of like this year and the couple meets I've had last year. Like it just squatting. I try my best to technically clean it up. It's the lift I want to say I work the hardest on is squatting to just squat better, more proficiently, more efficiently. You know, have my form improve messing with bar placement, moving it up and down. You know, try my best um, with uh, different setups and uh, seeing what makes a difference. Um, and yeah, just having a good squad. Because last comp, like last comp prep, I thought I had a great cycle right before the comp, and I got to the comp. My opener moved okay. My second, which I had hit in training looked horrible and I was like I don't know why this feels horrible it, it felt fine on the unrack like the unrack on my second attempt I actually failed my second attempt in my last meet and then got it on my third and it was a grinder I'm like why does this feel so heavy and like everyone talks about the cut but like I've made that cut every single time I've competed and like I haven't gotten much bigger I've gotten leaner like I've dropped my body fat and I'm the same size but I'm like the squats felt great in training and the cut gets even easier as I get leaner and I'm like I don't know what this is affecting like I don't know it's kind of annoying um so I want to have a good squat day and a good squat day for me on the platform would be at least 590 and the, the current open uh drug tested record in California for the 198s is I want to say 600 flat. So I'm not far. I've already squatted 605 in training and I just want to I think I can push the squat now depending on how the the meet say the meat I'm at whatever meet I decide it, it happens at if I have to pull back and not get that record in order to feel better for the rest of the day, I will.
0: I've always tell people, I'm a big fan of like setting up the total. Yeah. It's like you said, you have to think about what, what you're trying to do you know, if you're going. Right. And whatever.
1: it's, if it's one of those things where like, say, for example, I just keep going back to Peter. Cause me and Peter have gone head to head two, three meets in a row at this point. Like if I know I can make up ground on him more on bench than on squat I'm going to cut some pounds off a of squat and then try to push bench.
0: Yeah. You Make know, sure some a lot of guys
1: you'll see, you're seeing it now. A lot of guys are great deadlifters. You'll see them cut their squat and bench, you know, 15, 20 pounds short. And they'll just yellow deadlift because that'll get them the win. And I think whatever it takes to win, it's a great
0: strategy. You know what I mean? That's hilarious, though. You're like 10th place after bench press. You like first attempt, you shoot up to first.
1: Yeah, I, I honestly, I, yeah, I see people like that all the time. And it's good for them because say, for example, this guy might not be the best squad or the bench or the best bencher, but, you know, he's got this astronomical deadlift, you know, that's going to skyrocket his total. I mean, you're seeing that now at the highest level. You see, you know, Yuri Belkin jo- and and Kyler Willem. They just said the 220 world record sleeved. You know, back to back within each other with those crazy deadlifts that just skyrockets the total.
0: Yuri Bilkin has such a beautiful sumo deadlift.
1: Right. It's like, <laughs> it's so technical and it's so beautiful and it moves so well. But then it's like, it's like I tell people, it's half of his damn total. Yeah. <laughs> no, and, like, and that's the reality of it. You're going to see it now. Well, I tell people deadlifts win meets. It's the truth. I'm not a good deadlifter, in my opinion. I'm strong. I'm relatively strong to my weight class. I'm relatively, relative, I'm very relatively strong to like the average gym bro. But, like, if you look at, like, what people are pulling at the 220s, at the 198s, I'm a very average deadlifter. But I also tell people I didn't start deadlifting until I was 21 years old. Are
0: you serious? Holy crap.
1: Yeah. We didn't – we, like, like in high school, we did some trap bar deadlifts, and we did some box squatting for high school football. In college, I didn't really – unless – I didn't start deadlifting until preparation for my first meet. Holy like I would do back stuff in the gym, like rows and lat pull downs, and like one arm dumbbell rows. I would do stuff like that, but it was like, I didn't. I wasn't deadlifting. I wasn't doing conventional deadlifts at fifteen or sixteen. I was doing. We did trap bar like once a week, maybe, and we weren't going very heavy. We weren't allowed to. Yeah, um,
0: that's all that liability stuff.
1: Right, <laughs> and when you're when you're a high school athlete, it's it's they they. So I tell people they they except for places like where they take high school athletics seriously, a lot of high schools will they won't push the kids in fear of get, them getting hurt, which I understand why they're doing it. Um, but yeah, as I told you, I didn't, I started deadlifting with the straight bar five months before my first meet. Wow. But I had done lots of back stuff up to that point where I knew like the first time I deadlifted, I was in pain afterwards because I was sore, like with the straight bar. Um, but I distinctly remember uh, going, okay, I'm glad I'm not just starting off. You see a lot of kids now that start off as teenagers, deadlifting. They just want to load the bar as heavy as possible and they'll have the worst form ever, but they'll grind out a rep and they'll refuse to lower the weight, which, you know, I tell people, unfortunately the way people are, if you don't want to learn, you're going to have to learn if you get hurt.
0: That sucks though. That's like, yeah, it
1: does. And, and, and you see a lot of kids end up leaving the gym and you see it, but it's, I thought so if some people don't want to listen and learn, that's how they're going. to They're going to get hurt. You know, it's the way
0: it is. And then they, they, like, when they get older, they're just like, they look at the younger lifters, like, oh, you don't want to, you know, become like me. I'm like, we're not. Yeah. We have yeah. better technique, you know?
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm coaching a kid right now who's 16 and he's got great form. He he He's very patient. He doesn't ask to load the bar heavier. He, he does everything that I say. And it's one of those things where it's beautiful to watch him grow and everything, like his form is getting better and better. as He's getting stronger and stronger. So it's awesome to see that. And unfortunately I'm glad because he does have a lot of knucklehead friends that lift what I call like gym fails, where they'll load the bar as heavy as possible. And then they'll, you'll know, see the middle of their back, shoot up like you see on those YouTube videos. And I'm like, you don't ever want to be lifting like that. Okay. Now say your back's rounding on your third attempt deadlift in a meet. That's a little different. Okay? Yeah. That's, like in a competitive but it's like say you're like slamming the plates to bounce them off the ground and you're like cat backing every single rep you're doing that's not okay that's it's just not even okay it's dangerous it's kind of stupid and reckless in my opinion
0: yeah no one cares what you're lifting in the gym unless you're like brian shaw yeah pulling all the plates in the gym yeah there's no point like you get like like for example at north state barbell like
1: i coach a number of athletes there. And there's also a number, there's also a lot of competitive powerlifters where I train. And it's like, everyone's loading something different on the bar. You know, every there's no, and obviously there's never gonna be somebody you're pound for pound with on every single lift, but everyone is gonna have their numbers of their, which at powerlifting meets, I feel like it's a lot more easy to understand the fact that everybody's doing different numbers in their warmups or attempt sequences and, and what they're doing. Um, you know, a lot of guys, you'll see this with a lot of younger kids that are training in groups, is that they'll all try to do the same way. And it's like, if your buddy's, you know, 270 pounds and you're 160 pounds and, you know, your buddy, you know, chops wood on the weekends, he's obviously got better genetics than you do. And you're going to try to keep up with him.
0: You're going to get hurt. Yeah. I mean, that's probably like a guy thing, ego or something. Yeah.
1: And, and it, it totally is. I mean, it, it it you know, male ego is it's, yeah. it's a huge thing. It's kind of like when you see, you know, even you even see it a lot in powerlifting where you'll be like, that guy should have lowered the weight. You know, I'll see guys where they'll have the bar loaded to hell and, you know, it'll be the worst rep you'll ever see in your life. And you're like, okay, if you just took off that quarter, that probably moved really, really well.
0: Yeah, but they don't want it.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, and, and it's story. You know, yeah, no, and, and I totally get it. And I totally get why they don't want it, you know, but I tell people all the time, I got better when I started learning when to scale back.
0: Yeah. But that all comes with experience, but like, sometimes it's like learning the hard way you get, you like, yeah. Maybe you like mess up your back. backers one day. It's like, Oh no, wow. yeah.
1: And it's like, it's like,
0: I hate to keep bringing up Leo. That's like when I first met Leo, like
1: he was maxing out four days in a row on deadlift and he PR every single day. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was, it's, it's crazy to see. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. He maxed out. Like, I remember asking him the other day. And like, if he ever decides to do this podcast, you can ask him, but like he like hit 500 on Monday Went back on Tuesday, hit like 515, went back on Wednesday, hit like 525, went back on like Thursday. And these are all like pretty, like you can go back, these are all pretty ugly deadlifts. Like they're hitched, <laughs> they're scrapped, they're ugly. And like, but like, I'm like, dude, if you weren't, if this isn't a better sign that you're a freak of nature, like that you're, you've got a genetic advantage when it comes to doing this. Like at the time when I met him, he was 160 pounds and he was doing this. And I'm like, okay, this kid has some potential. And you know, it's one of those things where he was like just, he, i remember him asking him why he was doing that and he was like oh because i wanted to blow my friends out of the water and he was his friends like probably couldn't get 400 pounds off the ground he was blowing 500 off the ground like a speed rep it was crazy to see
0: yeah that's yeah that guy didn't get hurt you know that's... yeah no it
1: was like, he's lucky like he doesn't have any knock on wood so far he has no major injury but that's because like you know we made the decision initially we wanted him to compete at the 165s but now we have decided to move him up because everything we do to him he grows like a sponge
0: oh he just he just keeps getting weight
1: yeah no not even that just like say for example like i threw in to fix his lockout i threw in a lot of hamstring work and when the, when i first got a hold of this kid i was like okay his legs for a 500 pound deadlifter he's got small legs oh damn like you know m- most most modern power lifters raw power lifters from 165s to 220s they've got big legs they've got yeah. a big pull and a big squat they, they tend to have bigger legs especially if they're sumo pullers um Kyler Willem, I think, just has that back that just is freaky as hell. You know, Kyler,
0: it's
1: like the size of a barn door. But generally, you see with a lot of lifters in what I call the middleweight area, where it's like 160s to like 198s, most of them have pretty big legs. And so I remember telling the kid, I'm like, if you want to be able to lock out those bigger deadlifts, your legs are going to have to grow. There's no other way. It's going to suck. You know, but it's what needs to be done. So, with him, I just threw in a lot of rack pulls, which he liked, and then like you know goblet st- goblet squats and uh, dumbbell remaining and deadlifts. So
0: you so you coach how many how many athletes do you coach?
1: Currently, I have about I want to say about twelve athletes. I have ten competitive powerlifters. I have twelve overall athletes. Wow. Yeah, I coach a couple people that I one of them actually she's. Um, she originally was a distance runner and she is now, she wanted to put on muscle, um, but didn't know how. And I took it kind of on as like an alternate project to see if I could, I like pushing myself and seeing what I'm capable of as far as my abilities and coaching abilities. I've trained in a, I've tried NFL, but I've trained football players. I've trained, um, firefighters. I've trained a few different groups of people for practical uses, um, and I, I wanted to work with somebody who wasn't just like a meaty powerlifter and she uh, and she was able to put on a decent amount of muscle and she says she feels healthier than she ever has.
0: So is, is she just lifting to lift? Is she trying to do powerlifting? Yeah,
1: yeah, she was. She, well, she's training in my style, which is, you know, squatting, benching, deadlifting, you know, uh, in my programming, the goblets and the Romanians are a trademark especially if i think your legs are underdeveloped, i'm probably gonna if you're if i feel like a, a lifter's legs are underdeveloped i will probably hold off on the barbell volume and we're just gonna push the accessories to hell <laughs> like I'm, I'm known for doing that like if i think there's a certain body part that we got to grow on you we'll hold back on the barbell work we'll get some initial stuff in just to try to you know feel things out and so you can get used to it but your first four or five weeks of me are going to be like four by 20s on accessories
0: holy shit <laughs>
1: I, I'm not, I always tell people like, I, if, I, if I see something that needs to get smaller, I know what it needs to grow. So we'll do that. And if, you know, we'll address other things in there you know, whether it's food, diet, whatever, we'll address that. But it's one of those things where if I think somebody needs bigger legs, you're doing goblet squats for us as 20. You're gonna hate them and they're gonna suck. They're gonna be horrible, but your legs are gonna grow. You know, you can force things to grow. People don't realize that people don't wanna, people nowadays, I feel like certain power in the modern era. Everybody's afraid to do accessories. Like I like doing accessories. Some people, some people hate them.
0: I think people are just they're too lazy.
1: Yeah, and I don't get it. But what I say is, if you're gonna put all the energy into lifting the barbell, why don't you
0: just spend an extra 20 minutes doing accessories? It's, you know it's not that bad. I think it's like I want to be unique. You know, I'm a power lifter. I don't I don't do all that other stuff. <laughs>
1: yeah, and and I think it's it's you know it's like it's this big like accessories are stupid. Well, that's always tell people like if you ever watch the West Side Guys train
0: oh my god they're always doing
1: that <laughs> yeah they're all they're like if you watch west side versus the world most of the damn movies them doing accessories like you know it's the squatting obviously and, and you know and the, the big squats that are shown at the beginning of the movie and throughout the movie and benching and deadlifting scattered through there but a lot of the stuff they showed was you know the dumbbell stuff the rowing stuff you know a lot of the stuff that that showed them as to why they built it. and if you listen to elite fts uh, I, I listen to a lot of the elite FTS podcasts. A lot of the things that top level, top level lifters will mention was a particular accessory that they found that brought them to the next level.
0: Yeah. And for Kaler, it was like super heavy barbell row or penlay row. I don't Yeah. Penlays, it. It
1: penlay yeah, rows. And, and, you know, every top level lifter trains hard. And I want to say, if you already, if you struggle with following your program and training hard for one excuse or another, you're not going to get very far.
0: Yeah, that's the hard truth.
1: Yeah, I know. And it's it's something that I, I try to really like, if I have any lifters that come to me that want to compete, I'm like, okay. We, we try to set the, I try to set the tone pretty early on. It's like, okay, do you want to train and compete because your friends are doing it? Or do you want to train and compete and be competitive? Because they're both two very different. I can coach both. I can coach someone who just wants to have fun, you know, uh, do it with their friends. It's kind of like a weekend hobby and I, I can train you to where you're competitive. You know, and so when you go into a meet, okay, we're looking at first place, we're looking at best lifter, we're looking at some records. Like, you know, it's a totally different way that I'll approach you. And I always try to tell people to set the record straight. And it's, and, and Coach Michael down at North State Barbo always tells us if there's something horrible that you don't feel like doing, don't get upset when somebody else does it and beats you. <laughs> you know what I mean? He talks about, he uses the knee wrap example. You know, he, uh, he said back in the day, when some of the more stiffer knee wraps, the tightening ends, when those first started coming out, certain guys wouldn't use them because they were so painful.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. It probably digs in, right?
1: Right. Yeah. Where the tightening ends are knee wraps are, I mean, I I have Titan wrist wraps and, and those things, they're they they leave your arm bruised and and all that stuff. But personally, back in the day when I had those cheap big five, you know, harbinger wrist wraps, those are comfy. They're soft, you know, they feel good. And I remember going, wow, why would I wear anything else? But then I remember the first time I tried the Titans and my arm was like bleeding and blistered from cranking the Titans so hard. But then I was, my bench was flying and I'm like, okay, this is going to be horrible, but it's going to help my bench. Yeah. Like having like just, I mean, it's, it's what I always say. Like what coach Michael told us is that, you know, for example, if someone's willing to suffer through something and you're not, don't be upset when they beat you.
0: Yeah, you can't, yeah. can't complain about something you didn't work for, you know?
1: Like if someone's blowing you out of the water in squats, but you refuse to do leg
0: accessories, I don't know what to tell you. Do your leg accessories. So how do you coach someone that just wants to have fun besides the people that that want to, you know? Make Most fun? of the
1: time, we won't last long, to be honest with you. Like if you if, – first of all, if you don't listen, there's not much I can do. Oh, they don't listen? Yeah. Some, some people just want, I mean, a lot of the younger guys that I've coached that I no longer work with, they just want to load the bar as heavy as possible with no direction. And to an extent for some people, if you have a gift genetically, that can work for a while. It will. You can just keep loading the bar and doing whatever you want and that's fine. But until that's why I tell even the high level lifters on every high level lifter on the planet has a coach for a reason, you know, whether it's trying to see weaknesses that they can't see or certain details that they know might not be able to see themselves. And you know, or it's, it, it, they have holes in their game. Like Joe Sullivan ha- hired that new coach. I don't know what his name is, but that coach fixed Joe's deadlift. You know, Joe had a grip issue. He had, he had all kinds of great, he's obviously one of the best squatters in the world, if not the best squatter, in my opinion. Um, but he had issues with his, and he hired a coach. And this is a guy that's, you know, one of the best lifters in the world. So if everyone has a coach, some people might may think, I think those rare few think they're too good for a coach. And if you think you are good, but don't be upset when you either get beaten or you hit certain plateaus where, okay, I have no idea how to get past this.
0: So what? how as how a, a coach do you deal with the, the clients that just don't listen? Like, do you just tell them like, don't waste my time? Like, what are you doing? I, I I I let them know, like, look, if
1: you're not gonna listen, you can't be upset when things don't go your way. Oh, okay. Like if you do everything that I say, and then what we're shooting for still doesn't happen. Then I'll look at okay, maybe I made a mistake in programming. Maybe I pushed this too far. Maybe I didn't push this hard enough. Maybe I didn't time the peak right. Maybe I didn't. Maybe I should have pushed the hypertrophies further another couple of weeks. Maybe I should. I should have let the strength block go on a little longer. Maybe I should have pulled it back. You know, I I take responsibility if somebody does everything that I ask, and then we don't get the result we want, I will 100% take responsibility and say, okay, maybe there's a programming error in there that we need to adjust and I need to fix. But if someone comes to me and they say that they haven't eaten all day, they go lift and they're not drinking water and they sleep three hours a night and I keep getting on them about this because these are, when I first start working with lifters, this is one of the first things I try to fix. Like, okay, let's look at your sleeping. Let's look at your diet. Let's look at, you know, hydration. Let's look at recovery. Um, and then let's look at you know what you need you know what weak spots do you have in your game you know what can we fix in order to build you up what do we need to look at address are there any injuries we need to be mindful of um i work with a couple of lifters that are in their 50s uh one of them has had a hamstring a nagging hamstring injury i addressed that um but with but they're all really good about all the clients that i have right now are really good about listening to me so it's like okay if this hurts so bad to the point where you can't even walk the next day let's hold off on that and let's try to find the volume elsewhere i, am, I don't mind switching things out you know i don't let's not suffer more and not
0: get more out of it why do you think clients decide just you know after the coach i'm just going to do my own thing when they already like paid you and just you know like why would you do that like why do you, you think they do that
1: their own Their own, it's a combination of their own egos and the internet i think definitely
0: social media kind of yeah it definitely gets
1: social media media has been such a blessing to powerlifting and helping the sport grow i think and it's one of those things where i'm really happy i kind of came into it in 2016 when the social media lifting thing was like first starting off and i'm lucky that i've been able to see it reach its peak and now it's kind of like maintaining but i think the problem is i mean john hack for example like john hack is the best lifter in the world he's a great lifter but you constantly see him posting big singles big doubles that's all he really posts you know now i don't know what john's program looks like i have no clue i'm not john's coach i don't train with john i have no idea but when you're a 16 or 15 year old kid and you're very susceptible to outside influence and all you do is see all these like you know larry wheels john hack you know you see all these super strong people all over the internet you know pulling huge deadlifts squatting huge weight benching big weight you know it's oh but my coach is having me do a six by six at 70 percent. this is bullshit i mean like people i wish a lot of the kids that i let go I'd, able to, I'd be able to educate them on why I was having them do what I was doing. Because I'd throw programming at them. They'd ask me, why am I doing this? Why am I not maxing out? Well, it's like, well, you maxed out last week and you failed. Why do you think you're going to be successful this week? Like, I, I don't, I, it's hard to, you know, people's egos is the big reason. People who, people like myself who aren't genetically gifted, but want to be genetically gifted, I always say their egos what kills them.
0: Yeah, I mean also the instinct, I mean the, the instant gratification, they the weird programs you see outside in the fitness world, you know, get six pack abs in a month. But yes, that's not that's not happening.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, and yeah, I, I completely agree with you. I think people aren't patient and they just want everything now, now, now. Yeah. And like, you know, if you're a hundred and sixty pound kid and you want to pull seven hundred pounds, you know, you kind of got to keep everything into perspective. Like, okay, you're 160 pounds, you're five ten you have little to no muscle mass you don't eat you sleep like shit and you train inconsistently it's like okay let's 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 reconsider our goals here you know what i mean like if you have a bunch of issues with commitment to things that will help you in the gym what does that say to me about what you're going to be able to do in the gym
0: yeah i mean that's when you see all that potential get tossed away you know yeah, not even potential. You see, people start and stop, start and
1: stop, start, and then eventually, at one point, they'll just stop completely. Like they'll stop lifting altogether.
0: Yeah, I see. I see people in the gym that they know this stuff. You know, they know they have to be disciplined to, to, um, to you know, get a get a better body composition, get stronger. But they right. don't. You know, they don't practice what they preach. That's the weird thing. You know, they they know it, but then they just like I knew this guy that I was like, yeah, yeah, you got to discipline. You got to you know get that diet down. And right. I don't see him for like three months, and I'm like, where you been? oh you know i i had some you know work and all that i'm just like come on dude really no and, and i tell people like um you
1: know if you're if you decide to compete if you think suffering during training is horrible suffering when you're training to compete gets 10 times worse
0: yeah i mean i think the worst pain of all is the regret from quitting
1: yeah, no, honestly, the worst pain in my pain is losing. It's what I tell all my athletes when I'm running the gym and I've got four or five of my athletes and I'm coaching at the same time in the gym because we we train once a week as a team sometimes. Oh, okay. Like we'll all get together down in North State Barbell and like four or five of us will train at the same time together. I say this all the time. You know what hurts worse than failing or like your lactic acid building up and almost throwing up in the gym? Losing. Losing feels awful. Yeah because you i've lost plenty of times in lifting i've lost in life plenty of times believe me and i can tell you nothing hurts worse than going wow i should not have taken it easy that day like I, should have, I shouldn't have skipped training i shouldn't have missed my meal i shouldn't have stayed up till two playing video games knowing i had to get up at six the next day like it's all little decisions you know it's i'm you can't lose if you do everything in your power to put yourself in the best position to be competitive you know but if there's if you the second you're done competing and you tell yourself wow there's a lot of stuff i should have done better that's on you and it's a sting you're gonna have to live with until you can maybe compete again
0: yeah it's i mean that 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 comes with experience then you know sometimes they don't know you know and then either something you know when you max out on the deadlift way too often you you know tear a hamstring or you pull your back and you're like oh i shouldn't have maxed out that day
1: yeah or you go to the meet and you're out of gas yeah you know you you don't, do, you, do your, you don't do your accessories you eat like trash and you go to the meet and then and you're wondering why by the time deadlifts roll around you don't have your usual spark yeah you know you because you didn't do your accessories you didn't eat you've been partying and squatting you went two for six on squatting bench and now deadlifts are coming up and you think you're gonna do well on deadlifts but unfortunately you know it's the pattern you see it continue unless you see those rare freaks where it's like okay squat and bench didn't go well but now they're going to deadlift for the win those people do exist but they're they're one in
0: a million you know what i mean yeah because when you have a a performance that bad you know it it kind of hurts you mentally for the rest of the day it
1: does and like i i the I made the mistake, not mistake, but it was a learning experience, but like after that first meet that I did, I went straight to nationals because that was, that was my goal. You know, that my goal was to immediately go to USPA nationals and I bombed out because I was being stubborn. I was training like trash. I wasn't listening to my body. I wasn't necessarily not pushing myself, but I wasn't doing all the little things I had done before to be competitive. Like I wasn't sleeping well. I was uh, really irresponsible with like staying on top of like nutrition and water. If anything, I was so stressed at the time. I remember and I wasn't dealing with my stress well. Um, the fact that I wasn't eating enough. And I remember I lost a lot of muscle mass that prep from just not eating properly and not staying on top of my sleep. I remember making 198s and not having a cut. I was so like, just stuck. Kind of- yeah, like I, I didn't have like, I remember being tired. I remember being sore. I remember, and that was like, before even we started lifting, I was like, man, my body hurts. And I'm like, and lifting went relatively okay. And ironically, I still PR'd on bench and deadlift that meet, I remember, but I bombed out on squats because of depth. And I remember at my first meet, both of my squats had been at parallel. And then at nationals, I bombed out because of depth. And now I haven't been called on depth since then. You know, that was almost three years ago. But now it's a learning experience for me. It's like, okay, if I plan on being competitive and I plan on trying to climb the ladder as best as I can, there's no way that I can at all skip any steps because there's people in this sport that are obviously way more genetically gifted than I am. And I'm going to have to make up that ground somewhere and that's going to be in my habits.
0: Yeah, people don't really understand that. You know, They, it sucks. But anyway, recent phenomenon, well, not recent, but, you know, COVID-19... Yeah, all the, all the lockdowns and stuff, definitely put a big hit, especially for powerlifters. Um, you know, not being able to go to the gym for a few months. But how how have you been dealing with it?
1: Uh, I I mean, tell you the truth, I didn't. It doesn't really bother me. Like, it, <laughs> like it's I don't know. I uh, I grew up relatively poor in a really bad area where it was already kind of locked down all the time. So like.
0: I don't know. So I guess like in, it doesn't really compare anything too crazy to.
1: Yeah, like honestly, and like, yeah, the gym shut down, but I was able to train in somebody's garage on the low. It didn't really bother me. I was, the, me and that guy were the only other people training in that garage. Um, I didn't do anything illegal, obviously, as far as like, I've heard people apparently sneaking into gyms and stuff. I never did anything like that. Did people do that? Oh my God. Yeah, people did. I, I know a lot of people who did that.
0: Like Sneaking people- into like a public commercial gym?
1: No, it was, like, powerlifting gyms, but they were, like, letting stay open, and, like, it was one of those things where, like, I knew people, like, gyms were getting fined. Like, there was that one gym in New Jersey that, like, was publicly, like, not willing to close. Did you see that? I I heard about that, yeah. Yeah, it was, like, I remember the governor got involved, like, it was crazy. Like, the governor canceled their business license and then sent the National Guard to, like, board up the front door. It was some crazy stuff like that, yeah wow yeah and like i remember at one point he was being told if he left the premises he would the owner i forget the name of the gym might be Bellwater i don't know if i'm saying it right i'm probably mispronouncing it but i know yeah like they were saying that if he left the property he would be arrested so he had to like stay there for how many days in a row it was just crazy i followed him on instagram for a while then after a while i was like this is too much i can't this is ridiculous like this is getting way too political for my liking. And this is becoming a lot bigger than the gym. I applaud the guy for standing up for himself, but to the point where he's being like, being charged with things and like sued by the gov, the governor's getting involved
0: this is crazy, man. Yeah. I mean, I, did he, what about mask? Did he, did he, was he like a mask free thing? I think, I don't,
1: I don't remember. He might've been mask free. It was weird. I remember the whole situation. He's was like, I remember seeing initially, and I was like, good for you, man standing up and then like, you know, like the governor's like calling him out on Twitter and stuff. I'm like, this is crazy. Like, you know, it was like, you know, it just, it got kind of crazy. And that's when I kind of stopped following. I was like, okay, this is becoming a little too much for
0: me. Yeah. I mean, I know, I I know now, you know, things are starting to get a little bit better. You know, I mean, no colleges, they're still kind of, that's a little iffy. Yeah. My brother's a freshman at Chico state here in
1: California and they aren't doing, I don't think they're going to do in-class learning
0: the whole year. Yeah, my, my school right now, they they're, they have people that are in person, you know, if you have the option. Um, or you could do, you know, remote learning if you want to. But, um, you know, people get antsy, you know, sports, you know, they're you know, like, you know, let's go out to, to party a little bit. And then things get a little bit weird and then- Well, like, like for, okay, so I don't know about you,
1: but like for me personally, if all I do is go to the gym, come home, eat my dinner, take care of my responsibilities and like maybe play a little video games, I'm actually pretty content. Yeah, yeah. All yeah, right. you know what I mean? Like, like if I have my little space and I can do what I want and like, I don't, but see my, unfortunately what I tell people, my happiness and my my day-to-day, you know, self-righteousness, whatever you wanna call it, it doesn't really depend on seeing people. Wow. Like some people, their whole existence, like I used to bounce in bars. And some people, their whole existence and their whole like mental, you know, uh, not their confidence, but like their self-worth, their self-righteousness, a lot of that came from seeing their friends at the bars and and partying and and socializing and, and you know, and I unfortunately am not like that at all. So when they told us, wow, we have to stay at home, I was like, eh. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's, I mean, where am I right now? I'm home, you know, and it's. I was like, okay, so we can't go out. Gyms are closed. That does suck. I'm like, damn, that does suck. But I'm like, okay, so the bars are closed. We all have to spend time with each other in our homes with our families. Is it really that bad? And to tell you the truth, I I am super sympathetic for the people that are struggling mentally with mental illness during the time of COVID. Like, I get it. For people that seeing their friends and stuff is like, you know, it brings them joy. Good for you. And, but unfortunately I was never the kind of person where like seeing my friends every single weekend at a bar was like a part of my happiness. It, it was never like that.
0: Yeah. Ne- ne- neither for me, you know, I, I do the same thing, you know, I get my training done, you know, get my homework done, you know, right? Yeah, get- you, have your
1: respons- you have your responsibilities, you have goals, you have, you know, I feel like we're pretty similar. Like you have responsibilities, your goals. And once you accomplish your goals and what needs to be done for the day, you enjoy yourself a little bit, nothing crazy or astronomical, but then your day's over. It's like some people they, you know, what I call your people that are addicted to dopamine. Some people are really, <laughs> to, you, yeah. know, you know, they're the, of addicted of being either inebriated or being amongst other people, and and what you call your social butterflies. And I, I guess you call my people have been calling me an antisocial weirdo most of my life. You know, but unfortunately, kind of, you know. Due to COVID, it's kind of like my time to shine. Yeah, it worked out. I'm like, wow. Now I really don't have to see any of you for a long time. This is great. I don't care. Like, I don't care about any of. You. I don't. I'm sorry. I don't. Unless you're a loved one, family member, girlfriend. Like, I don't really have to see anybody. You know.
0: I mean, I was, I was like this even before COVID even hit. No,
1: that's what I'm saying. Like, I this did not really change. Like, okay, but see, what's awesome is the town that I live in. The gym's opening back up. So I'm like, okay all of the restaurants that I go to either switch to takeout, which I was already doing in the first place. And it's like, okay, the grocery stores never closed. I can still go eat. I'm like my job, I work in the medical field. My job was
0: not going away. Oh, you were uh, essential? Yeah, for- I'm gonna, uh, yeah,
1: my job, my job was not going away. I, I if anything, unfortunately, I kind of made the joke and I upset some people when I said this, I was like, you know, the whole country shutting down and covid's going on and i kind of get a chance to catch up like you know what i mean like i can be debt free now which i am now. i'm like wow this is great like this like can we stay in quarantine like i don't gotta see none of you like you know what i mean like i'm i I don't know i'm i guess i'm kind of joking too but i'm also kind of like for some of my friends and when i say friends i mean like acquaintances and people i talk to frequently some of them are social butterflies they are you know, and like their, their, the happiness that they have come from seeing lots of people. And I'm like, ur, 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 it's not me. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, I'm not, I've never been a crowds guy. I mean, I know like when people, you know, when I do, when I'm in prep and people ask me to go out to drink, I'm just like, I can't. And they just look at me weird. I'm just like, bro, I, gotta, <laughs> I yeah, got it. I got training, man. I got, like, I got goals.
1: And I'm, see, like, I'm lucky enough now where I have like, when I first started powerlifting, I was the only powerlifter that I knew for a long time. I was not around other powerlifters. And like I, I trained alone, and so now that I have most of the people that I talk to now every day are powerlifters, besides like my mom and my girlfriend. But like those, they are powerlifters. And so like when it comes to like the discipline, decisions, and discipline lifestyle, like it's not it's it's we speak the same language already, so it's not even like a concern, or it's like I'm not I'm not gonna have to worry about like you know a funny look or something like that. But like, oh, okay we got to go eat here because I have to eat so-and-so foods. And so we're going to go eat somewhere that has healthier options as far as dining and maybe even a little bit more affordable. Okay. I understand. I mean, I'm there and I'm not, you know, but it's like one of those things where, you know, we all understand each other.
0: Yeah, that's good. I mean, how, how has your family been when you started powerlifting? Were they supportive?
1: Uh, my mom initially really didn't like it. Like she really <laughs> didn't like it. She was very scared, but I'm like, you've been watching me do martial arts and play football. I'm like, we're like, you know, trying to kill each other. Like, it's not going to be much different. She's like, yeah, but it's bad for your, and all your mom say it's bad for your back. I'm like, yeah, it probably is. I'm probably going to, we're all going to die anyway. It doesn't matter. Um, yeah, Mark Bell
0: had that quote where it's like, we're all going to be in pain. So in the meantime, let's just train like bad motherfuckers. I don't, I don't know what to is. Yeah, I know. About.
1: he said And like, I kind of agree with that because I can tell you the truth. I mean, you know, if I live to, Say I lived to 80 years old, but you know, you never did anything with your life that was of value in, in anything really. I think, you know, you should you never really know what you're capable of until you push yourself in anything. Say you want to be like I've have, I have friends who do CrossFit and they commit the best of their ability to everything that they do, whether it's their diet, their recovery, everything it comes to doing CrossFit. And, you know, I think unless you push yourself to a place where you're uncomfortable and you're growing in places you didn't think you could i think it's good for you and i think that's how you enjoy life personally at least
0: yeah humans need adversity and stress that's how you grow that's the only way you can grow like if you just i don't know if you're like you grew up in a rich family you just didn't have to do anything once you're placed in a hard situation you don't know how to deal with it it's weird no right and like i tell people all the time i don't do well around those kind of people people that can't deal with stress no, entitled people, entitled people. Oh, oh, I get this. <laughs> I'm
1: like, no, like entitled people that like, no, and they don't take stress well. Like they've never been tested. Like I don't like to use this word, this language, because unfortunately I can be, I can, I can be seen as a certain way, but I don't people, I don't like people that are soft. I don't, I do not do well with people that are soft. Like if you complain a lot, like if you, I always try to put things into perspective. Like I work in an air conditioned hospital all day. Like I could be working On the road, it's 107 degrees where I live. I work in an air-conditioned hospital and I can go eat my meals whenever I want. I am very lucky. I'm kind of spoiled in my opinion. Um, Yeah. For for somebody who like, I have a lot of friends that are fired, like fires are really big. and I have a lot of friends who are firefighters. They're away from home for 30 days at a time, fighting fires, inhaling smoke. You know what I mean? Like my job and my life's not that bad. I get to lift kind of whenever I want. You know, I have a relative schedule that I have to follow, but I kind of get to lift whenever I want. I also, you know, my life, it's what I tell people. People nowadays want to complain so quickly about first world luxuries. Like, oh my DoorDash is like I'm like, okay, like, is it really that big of a deal? Like you're ordering food that already shouldn't be delivered to you and now you're getting it delivered to you, you're complaining because the guy's a minute late. Like it's not the end of the world. It's not astronomical. It's like, oh, my drink's been messed up at Starbucks. It's like, oh, so then go and tell them to fix it. Is it the end of the world? You don't need to alert the whole planet. You know what I mean? But I grew up in a place where, like, we were dealing with real issues of life. You know, of of, of people, you know, either going to prison or grave financial situations or just living in a really dangerous area. And it's like, when you deal with real world situations like that, where people, you know, people that live in the middle east people that live in you know south and central america where my family's from it's like when you deal with people getting killed every day and war zones and stuff like that i don't really care if your DoorDash is late or not like it's it's not gonna be a national emergency if you don't get your taco bell on time you know i mean it's just little things like that
0: yeah i mean when you look at you know i like to count my blessings i like to be grateful about the things that i have you know just being able to wake up every morning you know being able to walk on two feet you know the things you take for granted every day you know it's just, yeah
1: like also like i tell people all the time like you know in certain parts of the world you got to walk to a well four miles away to get water you turn on your sink your water yeah time. you know what i mean you don't have to you can go to the grocery store and get food you don't have to go out and hunt your food like in
0: some places of the world that's kind of how it is yeah grab your bow and arrow you know track the track the the the, what is it, the tracks and you know hunt down the animal
1: yeah, no in some places of the world that's really how it is or you got to go like i've read, seen some stuff like in india or places like that people dig through the poverty is so severe people got to dig through trash to eat food
0: yeah and then you know first world problems you know my wi-fi is yeah, down yeah. like
1: <laughs> yeah no like i went to ihop and they forgot to give me powdered sugar on my french toast like i did know like i'm sorry like it, it i i may seem irritated it's because it's the one thing i get irritated at. i'm like dude it's not the end of the world. You're fine.
0: Yeah. I mean, I mean, I think sports can teach a lot of that. You know, I was a wrestler and that taught me a lot about adversity, dealing with, you know, hardships, you know, being able to, you know, it's because it's a one-on-one, one of, one of the few sports where it's just, you take responsibility for whatever happens out there. Yeah. So if you, if you have half-assed and you're done.
1: I'm a big fan of sports where you're the only person out there. You decide what happens to yourself bodybuilding, powerlifting, wrestling, any martial arts, like say for example, MMA. In MMA, when they lock that cage behind you, it's you and the other guy, you know what I mean? I, I think it's great. You, you see who somebody really is, you know, when you're cornered by somebody else, are you gonna run and hide it? Or are you gonna step up to the plate and handle business? That's, I think life's the same way, you know? You know, unfortunately social media does give a, a, a platform for people to portray themselves as however they want and, I've met a lot of people that are very different in person than they are on social media.
0: Oh, of course. It's definitely like a mask, you know, this. Yeah. And it's like, I,
1: I thought about a little while ago, you know, I was talking to somebody this at the supplement store the other day. It's like, okay, do I, do I, I wanted to, I thought about maybe pushing the Instagram thing a little harder, like, you know, like constantly advertising myself, oh, maybe okay. more sponsorships and stuff like that. But I was like, dude, I already get half irritated dealing with that stuff in the first place. Look at the sponsors I have right now. Luckily, all the sponsors I have right now are really cool, nice people that just want me to be me. So I don't really have to do much outside of like, you know, taking care of my responsibilities as a member of the team. Um, but like, if it was one of those things where, perfect example, I know one of my, one of my really close friends in the Bay Area, he was sponsored by a very big powerlifting apparel company, Okay. And he's got elite total records on records on records. Like he's a very, in competition on paper, he's a very successful powerlifter. And, and a really nice guy too, a good buddy of mine. And I know for a fact that this apparel company was, they didn't care about any of that. Like they, they really like, they were like, they'd support him in his like competition, but what they the reason why they stopped sponsoring him was because he wasn't selling enough merchandise yeah
0: it's yeah it's part and, of and,
1: it. I, and i and i get and i get the name of the game i get why they did that and i understand you know from a business perspective why you know if you know certain cl- if certain sponsored athlete isn't bringing home enough money i get why you cut that person but i feel bad because he was in the time that they did that he was focused on prep that's why he wasn't advertising but he was focusing on prep for one of the biggest meets in the world and so he's like i didn't have time to advertise girls leggings because i was i had a squat day that day and i was focusing on that And like that should be what he's focusing on you know what i mean he shouldn't be interrupting
0: his his training because he has to focus on selling women's leggings yeah i mean i guess for from a business aspect it kind of makes sense but like you you know the, the athlete you know they go through so much stuff you know you know
1: you- and i know and that's why i tell people that's why i don't take like you see me a lot of the times on social media i don't i post a lot of goofy stupid things it's because now at this point i don't take social media relatively seriously because not only have i met a lot of people online i've met some people at fit expos or when i did the San Diego at fit expo i met some really cool people that were really great athletes and at what they did had very small social media followings i met some people that were absolutely awful that had huge social media followings so it's funny how those things work out like the person that i that i saw for like the profile that i saw for this person on social media was completely different than the person i met in person like it was such a giant like what damn you are not the same person in person like they were and on social media they're all about positivity and awareness and all this kind of stuff and like you know and being happy And in person, they were cranky and they were charging $70 for an autograph, whatever. And it it was just, it was kind of like, okay, this is the reality that we live in. Like, social media is not real life. And I always tell people, I I post stupid, funny things because I don't take social media seriously. It's It's a form of entertainment. I do get clients on social media and that's how I choose to advertise myself, but I don't base my exponential existence on social media. Like my moral
0: sensitivity is not based on social media. I mean, they tell you, you know, uh, don't never meet your hero because of, no, because no, of that. No.
1: <laughs> i am, I, yeah, but yeah, there's some lifters that I've met that are, I could say, heroes of mine that are great people. Like I've met some lifters, like Jeremy Avila. Jeremy's, uh, he's from the Bay Area, like me, and uh, he's the lightest guy to ever total twenty one hundred. Jesus, uh, twenty one hundred. Yeah, he's got, he's got eight seventy dead. Uh four something bench, really crazy squat too. Trains out of uh, uh, Jesse Burdick's gym in, in Dublin, CSA gym, where they play some no, island. No, no, I'm uh, Dublin, Dublin, California. Oh, oh. <laughs> Dublin, <laughs> California. So it's like it's where they used to hold record breakers, Reebok record breakers. Yeah, he trains out of that gym. So, like, for I've met Jeremy a few years ago, and ever since I've met the guy, he always says hi to me, he's always really nice to me. I've met a few high-level lifters that are really nice people, um, and to tell you the truth, most lifters that I've met in person are really, really nice people. Um, it's the social media powerlifters that I've met that I've noticed I've had problems with.
0: I mean, based, I mean, just on the nature of the sport, you know, it's very demanding. It's it's pretty hard to be, you know, super arrogant, and you know, because it humbles you real quick.
1: No, and yeah, and to be honest, like most other competitive powerlifters that I've met in person obviously that are a lot better than me most of the ones that i've met are still just generally good people it's always the ones that think they're better than everybody else that i have a problem with like i'm like okay i, I cuz i don't i notice i don't do well with that personality
0: yeah cuz it's like i mean i'm i'm a powerlifter you know you don't really make that much money from powerlifting you know
1: no you don't but some people have kind of created their own niche and they've kind of like whether it's been apparel equipment Selling programming, having a large social media, having a large social media uh, presence, I think, puts you in a very uh, good business position because it allows you to, you know, go for sponsorships, go for partnerships, go for, you know, you have a wide audience that, you know, I'm just using energy drinks as an example, but like, say for example, rain or bang, if they want to sponsor you because you have a million followers, you may not even actually be competing in anything. You just have a million followers. They're going to go with you over a competitive athlete with a thousand followers. That's just the reality of the game.
0: Yeah. You could be squatting like three times, whatever they're squatting, but you know, if they have.
1: Exactly. It's all about what's selling. And unfortunately that's where I like, that's one of the reasons why I don't choose to take social media seriously is because I am focused on competing and most now, there's a lot of great lifters out there who are focusing on competing and running a business, which is great. But if I see somebody that like competitively is irrelevant and they have this huge social media presence, I, I'm not paying attention to them. Yeah, like, it, no. If you're maybe top 10, top 20 in my weight class and you sell t-shirts, I'll follow you. But like, if you're like, I don't know, if you're just, if you're just constantly talking into the camera for your own ego i'm sorry i can't do it
0: like I'll, i lose my patience pretty quickly yeah you 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 tend to like the more genuine people
1: no and just competitive competitive lifters like you had james strickland on here right
0: oh yeah that was crazy yeah. Yeah. yeah
1: james strickland is one of the best benchers to ever live i of course i watched that guy's instagram like that dude's one of the best benchers ever to walk this planet he's a great competitive lifter he seems like a really nice person
0: yeah i mean during the podcast he was very you know very nice you know he talked about a lot of things very informative you know
1: yeah but like do you see why i follow is because he's he's a good athlete like i'm not paying attention to his followers i follow him because he's one of the best benchers ever and same reason why i follow julius maddox the same reason why i used to watch scott Mendelson's videos back in the day or uh what was the other guy they just posted spoto Spoto, there was one more guy what was his name uh Uh, they just reposted him on king of the List. he hit 675 and it was like the only Raw Heavy Benji's ever done. Canelli, Ryan Canelli.
0: Damn, why have we not heard that name?
1: Yeah, no, no. Right. it was like Ryan. But yeah, but see, like I used to follow, I used to follow guys that were putting up big numbers because that's when there was like only magazines and stuff or like in early days of social media, that's who was getting the YouTube videos and the huge followings was people who were relatively competitive. Yeah. You know, but now you're seeing it a lot now where you're seeing people wanting to start like they want to have their social media grow as fast as they're lifting and like, okay, I get it if you do, but I always say if social media disappeared tomorrow, like say, for example, it just somehow disappeared, I'd still be in the gym tomorrow.
0: Yeah. Social, social media, you know, it becomes this whole thing. It's weird. You know, cause people, it becomes literally like a drug, you know, Getting, yeah. seeing those and, lights.
1: Not, and I'll be the first to admit it's horrible for you. It's not good for you.
0: Yeah. I was seeing those likes pop up. Oh, you hear your phone vibrate. Oh, maybe someone. Right. Right. Yeah. It's that
1: instant gratification that I, that I tell you that it's, you know, it's, it, it feeds the demon. If you're, if you're, if you're particularly impatient, I, I've seen it enough times. If you're particularly impatient, powerlifting, you're not going to last.
0: Yeah. It take, getting. I mean, then we have this whole issue, you know, when you, when you take steroids, you know, I'm, you live for one year and you're just like, Hey, I want to, you know, I'm, I'm plateauing. Maybe it's the, maybe maybe if i take steroids it'll it'll break my plateau no right and
1: that that's the big i mean that's i don't want to say that's a big problem nowadays as much as people think i think that because we i hope it's not (laughs) no I, i don't think i still think that most i mean most meats that i do almost i've done a number of untested meats and tested meats and i can tell you that i still think unless it's a big meat where everybody's obviously not tested um I still think most—if you go to your average local level meet—I still think most guys are natty. Like I still think it is. You can reach an
0: incredible amount of strength being a nat, natural. Yeah,
1: yeah you can. You can. It just—it's like you know—it's like no one wants to hear that you know you're gonna have to put so many years in. You're gonna have to put so many. Um, uh, you're gonna have to put hours in. You're gonna have to deload. You're gonna have to you know. Yeah, just those things. you right. You're gonna have to get your hydration on control. I mean, no one wants to hear that. No one wants to play. That's why, unfortunately, that's the one thing where I've been able to like, unfortunately beat, fortunately for me, uh, beat some people out and even have like success and pass people that were ahead of me when I first started is I played the long game. Like I don't, I'm not in any rush to load the bar any heavier. I mean, training already sucks as is. you know? It's like, I don't, (laughs) like my recent bench max out, I hit 421. Jeez. And I'm not in any rush to go any heavier anytime soon. I'll go heavier when my coach calls for it and that'll be it. You know, people emotionally tie themselves to numbers. And I think like that was a big problem I had with a recent lifter, is that she emotionally <laughs> deadlift number. And I told her, I'm like, we shouldn't go for this. You're not ready. You know, you've missed training sessions, you're not, your mind's not there you know, you, we can't fix the same old issues that keep popping up. I don't think we should go for it. But unfortunately, when you marry yourself to a number, as I like to say, you'll do stupid things in order to get that number. And you know, as well as I do in the long-term game, that's usually not
0: good. Yeah. It's a good program, man. I don't, I don't maxing out. It's like, I, I do that maybe like three or four times a year, sometimes less.
1: As you get stronger, you're going to have the ability to do it less and less, is what I always say. As you get stronger, the heavier days are going to come less and less often because you need to give your body chances to recover. You need to have the right decisions in order to get better. Someone who squats 900 pounds is not going to recover the same way that somebody who squats 300 pounds. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, It's just the reality of it, and most people don't want to take that into consideration. Most people don't want to grasp that concept, but unfortunately, that's the reality. You know what I mean?
0: So throughout this whole five, six year journey, uh, who would you say has been supporting you the most?
1: Uh, probably my girlfriend. Um, Her and I have been together. She actually, her and I got together right before my um, first meet. I actually remember coming home from my first meet and we still technically weren't together. I want to say like, we weren't official yet. It was a, it was like a very they were all very close. Like my first meet was that March and our anniversary is in March, so it's in that time frame.
0: And uh, so throughout the bad and good, she's stuck with you with this with this powerlifting sport.
1: Uh, we met her. Different, I mean, initially there was a lot of issues with it because you know it's like okay, dating I tell you, dating a powerlifter is not. Easy. Oh, hell no. <laughs> yeah, dating, dating a powerlifter is very, very hard. I think dating a bodybuilder is even worse, to be honest with you. I don't think dating a powerlifter is that bad. But dating a bodybuilder, is, I, I don't think I'd be able to date a bodybuilder, whether I'm a, a man or a woman. I'm oh, No, thank you.
0: Um, yeah. I think,
1: well, it's like, you know, if you date, first of all, okay, if you date somebody that competes, that's going to be even worse. You know what I mean? Like, if you date somebody who's, who's, who's prepping for a meet, if it's somebody that cares, all their energy goes into that meat. Yeah. And it's like, okay, nowadays we're really good. So it's like there's no, there's no like questions on whether or not I have to alter my day to day decisions based on what meat prep is asking of me, whether it's eating a healthy option. Say we go out to eat, you know, I'll take her to dinner, but it's like, okay, you're going to order a bacon cheeseburger and cheesy tater tots, I'm gonna order a chicken salad or a chicken sandwich with the salad on the side. Like I'm really strict with my macros. So like I try to only eat what, I eat only what I see is allocated on my macro count. You know, she obviously doesn't diet and it's fine if she doesn't. It's like a lot of people that are in prep become really intolerable as far as their day-to-day activities. I don't really get that bad. I get stressed. I don't even get, even when I'm cutting weight, I don't get that bad. Like I don't get really emotional. I tend to actually be pretty happy.
0: Cutting weight. Are you really?
1: Yeah. yeah. Like I distinctly remember uh, driving up to my last meet. Uh, I was driving up with somebody else that I was competing with from California into into Oregon. And we, I distinctly remember we stopped at Chick-fil-A and like, I'm cutting, I'm weighing in the next morning. I, I can't have nothing. Like, I'm not. Eating and like, I remember very simply going, Baby, you hungry? And she's like, Why? Wow, you can't eat. I'm like, I know I can't eat, but are you hungry? I'll like, let's feed you if we have to. And like, the person, my buddy that was sitting in the back was just miserable. He, he was cutting too. He was like, This is so stupid. I want to eat. Da, da, da. And I'm like, It's not the end of the world. You know, also, I thoroughly believe if you get like emotional and upset when you're cutting, like I've had a lot of experience cutting with like martial arts and stuff. Like I I've, I thoroughly believe if you start getting emotional, you're letting the cut win and you're actually holding water. I personally think you do. Really? Yeah. I think. Well, because cortisol, the stress hormone, that stress hormone can cause you to hold water if you become emotional or you get angry. That's why, especially if I'm cutting water, I don't get. I try not to get upset over anything.
0: Wow, I didn't know that. I got keep that in mind next time I try to cut.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, like I'm a, it's, unfortunately, I guess I'm lucky. I'm a pretty, I'm gifted at two things, cutting weight and eating. I can cut weight pretty well and I have a really great appetite. So to me, cutting it, it's painful. Yeah. I'll admit cutting can be painful if you're not doing it correctly, but also at the same time, if your pain tolerance isn't that great in the first place, you shouldn't cut.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's probably for the best. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Like, I'm the kind of person where I'm like, eh, it's not really that bad. I'm voluntarily choosing to starve myself. This is not that bad. All right.
0: Um, anyone you want to shout out before we ended it?
1: Uh, shout out to North State Barbell, uh, my home gym and where all my friends are. Just a beautiful, the best training place in Chico, California. If you're training in Chico, California, you're not training there, you're training at the wrong place. Um, uh, shout out to Coach Reynolds. Out of uh, Fit40 in Yuba City, he's my programming coach. Uh, He's a great guy. He's a genius. He took me from a 1350 total to a 1590 total. So, I mean, the guy knows what he's doing. And I want to say he's got at least six or seven elite lifters under his belt. Um, Shout out to the Boneyard in Reading, which when I I lived here in Reading, I trained there. That's a good place. Um, Shout out to all my friends and family that have supported me throughout the years in this. But, yeah, I mean, I appreciate you having me on, man. And it was really fun talking to you. Oh yeah. Where
0: where can they, where where can they look for you for coaching?
1: Uh, You can find me on a few places. Uh, I run, I'm always on social media messing around Uh, at sweet donut, but the donuts spelled like a little weird where it's like D O H N U T or uh, my emails linked directly on that too. If you guys want to reach me Um, and yeah, just Instagram. That's most of the time. Most people reach out to me for training.
0: All right. Danny Gillette, it's been a pleasure talking to you, man. Thank
1: you, man. It's been wonderful. It was a pleasure.
0: All right. That was episode 48, guys. Peace out. hope you enjoyed it.